0: Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people
1: who need social work get help that will transform their lives. I'm Gerry, And I'm Jo. And this is our next podcast on our Journey Through the Life course. Each month, one podcast will be dedicated to the human journey through social work um, from pre-birth to the end of life. Uh, before the summer, we actually looked at adolescence, personal favourite of mine, having an adolescent. And uh, we've had a month off. And now we're looking at transitions into adulthood.
0: And I've got a few thank yous um, for people who've liked us and shared us over the summer. So Sarah, Liz, Alistair, Emma at Edge Hill University, David, Margaret, Paul, John, Social Work Cynic. I'm not sure who, who that is. <laughs> Philippe, Karen, Declan, Michelle at the University of Wales and Kerry, Bev and Donna. And to everyone who's listened, we actually started the summer on around 35,000 downloads. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah, July was our highest download month ever. We nearly had 2,000. Fantastic. Um, and I had a look at the most popular episodes and they remain ones from series three about interagency social work and regulation, mm-hmm. would you believe? Well, but regulation also... is a
1: very interesting
0: topic. <laughs> our very, very first one. Um, which was series 1, 1A on integrity. And the most popular one from this series so far was 2B, which was on poverty. Um, And there's a few that just need a bit of love. Some of our older episodes from series 1. Organisations and Uncertainty and Social Work Environments, which I would have thought...
1: Would have been popular ones. I enjoyed doing them anyway. Yeah, (laughs) well... That's the thing is we, we we do think we have important things to say, but maybe it would be good to go back and listen to them and see um and see whether because we hit not. the hit the right note or not.
0: Yeah. and yeah. um, we were asked again um on Twitter about scripts for ah, people yes. who um have hearing impairments. We are working on book one. Yes,
1: um, we are. It'll be in an ebook. It'll be in a downloadable form, and actually, it's probably only um, maybe a month away at the most, Jerry. That's so,
0: amazing.
1: I know that's um, Jerry. You've done your bit, and I'm now doing my bit, and now we just need our editor and um, the people to package it together for us, which which is what's happening next.
0: Yeah. So do keep telling us what you think. Uh, you can get in touch by visiting our website www. dot dot commenting on iTunes or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast. And we
1: do want to hear from you. We're we're working on the human journey at the moment, which I really love looking at this through the social work lens. It's, you know, we're trying to think about how we grow and evolve and what this really means for social workers who are alongside people on the journey. And, of course, the thing is that social workers are growing and evolving as well, and we're going through different stages at the same time. So it's very interesting. But this month is, um, I think, a really important area, Jerry. It's um, transition to adulthood. So I looked up the definition of an adult,
0: and it's both about maturity, achieving maturity, achieving legal age, and Mm. being fully grown. So in kind of popular parlance, it'd be a grown-up, which I always think of with a capital G. But what it means to be grown-up is quite interesting and varies from place to place.
1: Mm.
0: So there's legal recognition, um, it used to be 21 in the UK, it's now 18. And that's when you're recognized as an adult, you can sign contracts, basically, you're a full, um, a full agent. Mm. But that varies from 15 or so to 21 around the world. And then there's also the confusion maybe between the age of majority and the age of maturity. Which is different for, seen as different for different things. So it might be the age when you can have sex or the age when you can get married, or the age when you can leave school or start drinking or start driving,
1: those kind and of things. And isn't it interesting that actually marriage and sex are younger than, um, drinking? Also, if you
0: are not at the age of maturity, but you're legally emancipated by a court, mm. then you become an adult. Right. Um, and that happens. If you get married when you're under the age of um, majority, you automatically become an adult because it would be a bit daft, wouldn't it, if you were um, not an agent. Um, But then there's also sort of difference around social or cultural recognition of becoming an adult. So I'm a Catholic and I was confirmed actually when I was really young. And that's a sort of rite of adult passage and where you're supposed to receive wisdom and understanding and those kind of things. And you also do take a new name and an additional confirmation name. But lots of different cultures have different moments and they can happen at a very different time of life to Mm -hmm. the legal time. So it's kind of legal and cultural and maturity. And then there's also this kind of idea of fully grown. And we've already talked about people not necessarily fully growing and developing till they're kind of in their mid-20s.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so it is interesting, as you say, that um, people in that age group between 18 probably uh, to at least 20 are getting lots of mixed messages, aren't they? And one of the things I always think of, um, and this comes from my time working with the adolescent team, is it's very, very hard to get accommodation under your own steam at 18 even unless it's university accommodation if you're trying to find somewhere to live at 18 years old even though you can legally sign a contract there's very very few um, landlords or rental places that you can actually go and successfully get a tenancy yes and there's it's
0: probably worth actually at this point thinking about The social work age thing. So um, we have overlapping legislation, don't we, for children Mm. and adults. If you're um, receiving children's services and you're going into adulthood, then the Care Act for adults in England kicks in um, at 18. But you need to start planning before that. And actually, if you haven't got everything organised, you continue to have children's services until... You get the adult services sorted that you need. Mm. Um, there's also, though, a uh, possibility for children's services to continue to 25.
1: Yes, that's uh, right. the Mental
0: Capacity Act currently starts at 16 in England. Mm. It's it's not a clear cut, and I don't think it should be. But I think that there can be quite a lot of confusion. And I'm just thinking about a young person trying to navigate this. One of the yeah. big
1: social work roles is explaining and helping. Mm. But also, too, I think there's there's something else there, Jerry, which is that. We, as social work professionals, in all those different places that you've talked about, do not respond to the person in front of us in the same way. So, for instance, a children's services social worker working with an 18-year-old may, some of them may, still see a vulnerable child in their head, yeah? now i'm not t- i know that the edge of that the um that the leaving care teams might see that differently but i i do know that from my conversations with social workers a lot of them would still emphasize the child part of that person um however perhaps the criminal justice system and i'm only speculating here so guys if you're in there get get in and tell us um might Emphasize more the adult and the adult responsibility side of that, because we know that the age of responsibility is ten. So by the time they're eighteen, you know. So I, I think that the, the the one person at that transition stage can receive lots of different types of um, interactions.
0: Yeah, and in, in adult services, we might overemphasize the agency mm. which is not to deny that people have rights they have the right to make decisions um the but if we if we don't recognize that the decision making can be tricky and might need support or it might need mm. additional support because of the age um or the context might be more difficult for a 18 year old than it is for a 30 year old then i think we are missing something so sometimes you can overprotect and sometimes you can
1: leave people to you alone. Yeah, and so I, I think that's, that's one of the tricks. First. So if you think of an individual um, and all of these overlapping legislations and systems trying to make sure that they don't fall through the gap, which is an, a laudable um, aim, you can also see how that person might end up thinking, well, what exactly am I, guys? in in all of this and there was that yeah there's such a
0: powerful quote in the trans um transitional safeguarding resource that research and practice did from um, a young person called kelly who said i couldn't wait to get to 18 i thought that once i was an adult everything would change it hasn't worked out that way i really wish i was a kid again so you could lock me up and that's that we're too distant we're too close we're We're not in the right place around some young people, are we?
1: And I think that's lovely, talking about not being in the right place. Um, I had a fantastic conversation um, with somebody that, uh, you know how every now and again you get to uh, work and meet people who kind of inspire you to think differently? And um, I was talking with Shona Gallagher, who's um, the AD um, in South Tyneside, and she was talking about the fact that there are some families and children that offer us enough engagement for us to be able to work successfully with them. And then there's the families and children and young people who can't make the journey into our spaces. And so when they can't make that journey into our spaces, we just stay in our spaces and try to do everything we can to get them to come. And sometimes we don't think about shifting and going into their spaces, and I think this is one of the things for for um, you know in transitions for our profession is that we need to always be thinking of the spaces that our young people are finding themselves in, and how we can understand and inhabit them and help them inhabit them more comfortably rather than kind of wanting always to move them towards us mm. So I think sometimes what we do is we
0: move people into places that we're happy with, where we think they will be protected or supported. But those aren't necessarily the places that people want to live. They want to spend their adult lives. And so they might be safe or they might be helped, but they're not achieving one of the goals of adulthood, which I think is is one that social workers would want to um, uphold, which is the UN... Right to independent living, which is about living where you want, having the choice and the control, and the
1: ability to live out your life. And also, Jerry, if you're moved somewhere, if you're uh, I think about our own experiences, if there's ever been a time in our life where we've been put somewhere and we've had to stay there, and it hasn't been our choice don't you spend a lot of your own energy trying to find a way out of that situation like so so you spend a lot of your own time and your own thoughts and your own everything trying to move to where you want to be so i think
0: i think that's right and we have a real issue in this transition area of having sufficient support in the community to support young adults Mm. particularly people who have um, learning disabilities or mental health problems or other physical disabilities where we might have successfully supported them we might not but we might have successfully supported them as children mm. as they could become adults actually we need to wrap different kinds of resources around people yeah. and you know we can see that in many places those don't exist people are having to move far from their communities and far from
1: the networks that they really need as adults and also being put so this this takes me straight back to when I worked in the disability field in the 80s um, and the places where people could live young people could live but also get complex health care alongside support for independent living and building relationships with peers was very very limited and so I was involved in a really a tragic case where parents needed their daughter to move out of home because they were at an age where they couldn't actually manage anymore her physical care, but they'd provided her with quite a rich social um, and relational life that was age-appropriate. And anyway, in the end, the only place where this young woman could go to live was actually a nursing home, an aged care nursing home. Yeah. And it was absolutely the wrong place for her. So it was safe and it dealt with her health needs, but her social and emotional needs and her age and stage of development weren't able to be catered for at all, and I
0: think the options for keeping people you know, people being able to stay well in communities mm. are reduced at the moment you know the independent living mm. fund closed, housing benefit changed um, other disability benefits changed, and that means that the resource that people have to to live independently By independent, I don't mean without any um, network. None of us live independently in that sense, do we? Um, Mm. But yeah, with choice and control, have reduced. Mm. Um, And actually, at its starkest, what we see is young adults, young people um, ending up in in institutions and not being able to come out because we don't have the right support. And there was a report by CQC, which is our regulator, Care Quality Commission in England um, that looked at um, people with learning disabilities and and or autism who were in inpatient units who were experiencing restraint, segregation or seclusion. And they looked at um, the care of 39 people in 35 different wards and found that there there was a common story for many of them, which was they didn't get the help they needed as children. There wasn't sufficient preventative and supportive kind of help wrapped around them as children and there came a point when all the things that were available were kind of exhausted and the only option left was to admit to a hospital ward Mm. which was then not the right environment and caused um additional distress and then there was behavior that um endangered the person or the others which was essentially communication about distress Mm. um people didn't have the specialist expertise necessarily to manage that and so they considered that the only thing to do the only safe thing to do was to isolate the person and then that person gets stuck can't and move them back into the you can't move them stress. out yeah um and that's it's that dead end that i worry about yeah although it's particularly um important to consider in transition isn't it
1: it well, is our pathway that goes yeah. further than a dead end i think the thing is that we so we can be planning for the emerging adult in the same way as the parents will be as we would you know, from the minute we understand that there's an obstacle or a difficulty for our child to overcome, we start planning for that. We don't wait until it's so the bar the barrier is impenetrable. And um, so, one of the things for me is, you know, always holding in mind that children become adults. It sounds obvious. But you know you should be working with a child, planning for their emerging adulthood, their whole life long, and you should be thinking about them as an adult in different stages too, because an eighteen-year-old adult is not the same as a twenty, as a thirty, as a, and they need different things. And so, therefore, these conversations should be happening so much earlier, Jerry. Yeah, um,
0: and you've um, made me think about some of the lobbying work that's happening. Um, around helping young people successfully come into adulthood and have lives of choice and control um, and one of the things that has been said by people campaigning is you know, give us the resource give the resource to the people and their families and their networks because we mm. actually we think about the stuff we know this person you know we know yeah. what's needed yeah. the other thing that's made me think about is a um is a really wonderful organization called Stay Plate, which Helps young people get out in the evening mm. and do things that yeah we'd all expect to have the chance to do, but that routine services, um, formal services don't enable,
1: and and that the community doesn't enable because that's the other thing, isn't it? Is that any that any kind of difference can be um, can become a barrier if your community is only catering for one one type of adult
0: yeah so there's an inclusivity problem with the whole of our society isn't there Mm. and then there's particular need to dedicate um attention to the right support for, for particular groups particular individuals but that only happens i think if we if we genuinely want citizenship for everyone Make people to have full, everyone to have full lives, mm.
1: and we and we do struggle with that concept, don't we? I I know that um I was listening to okay the Graham Norton show. I, I'm going to confess now. You know, it's like when I listen to Strictly and things like that. Um, yeah, but anyway, and um, Wrenneth was on it, and um, she was talking about her experience, her life experience as a young adult. And what she was saying was that she had been born into a family where her father was a famous director, her mum was an actor, and she had had a successful acting career herself very young and she won an Oscar very young. And so what she found in those early years was that people actively wanted to remove obstacles from her way. So she wasn't encountering any obstacles or difficulties in life. They were being moved aside for her actively by everyone around her. And it really struck me, that sentence, about people actively wanting to remove obstacles from her path. Because what it made me think about was how for a lot of the people that we work with, a lot of the young people we work with, a lot of 18-year-olds, actually there's not that same effort or attention to the obstacles that they're encountering and sometimes they're just structural and overwhelming yeah
0: and actually that um there was something i wanted to talk about which was a report around structural inequality because there's this sense that you know we, we worry about maybe we worry more about structural issues that affect children although mm-hmm. not by any means enough than we do about young adults or we think that once you leave home somehow those issues magically disappear um, so the environment and the social factors and the structural factors that affect children like poverty poor housing um they they persist into life into adult yeah. life and actually into later life as well there was a report from lang chase um called hard Edges scotland and um, that came out this year in 2019 which looked at the severe and multiple disadvantages that some yeah. people face so particularly was looking at um, homelessness offending and substance dependency and seeing you know, who's experiencing these and what's gone on mm-hmm. for them and fi- finding that those affected um the highest risks of were, were associated with being younger, so under 40, being single, being white and male. So this is in Scotland. Um, so the population is a little different than uh, some other countries. Um, higher in urban than rural areas, um, higher in poorer and more deprived neighbourhoods. Um, and what it was looking at was what's the pathway for people coming into these kind of really significant disadvantages in, in adulthood. Mm. Um, so poverty was a significant background factor. Um and so was childhood trauma um adverse childhood experiences um issues around um poor mental health substance dependency difficulties in employment and relationships in young adulthood and a background of kind of violence so i think what we've what we've got there is individual difficulties but also a context like a structural context of of disadvantage that then persists into adulthood that people find it really difficult to escape.
1: And I think that um, in children's services, we're quite good at thinking about the ACEs And so thinking about the person as an individual um, and all the things that are going on inside them in terms of their um, attachment, their regulation, their competency models, and how they're able to manage that and how we're able to build resilience. I don't know that we're as good at thinking about the structural issues that they're encountering at the same time, which you've highlighted, you know, there is this bit of an emphasis when we become an adult that we should be able to work hard, work hard enough to overcome the difficulties um, and, and that we can then be successful. So this idea that if you work hard enough, you can be successful. And I think that that's a real problem and a bit of a setup for some people
0: yeah, like if you, going back to what you are saying about Gwyneth Paltrow, if you think of it as obstacles, it is much harder to move forward if you're having to climb over lots of things than that's if you're just exactly walking right. along and people are clearing the path for you. Um, yeah, And part of the social work job is to try and clear the path, isn't it? Not just for an individual, mm. but so, you know, socially as well.
1: Yes, that's exactly right, to challenge the unnecessary obstacles that people who have, you know, um, had difficult early lives have gone through and, and to find ways for them actually to, yeah, have clearer paths to walk along. Um, that, would be, that would be a very good social work role, I think.
0: Yeah, so we have, um, we have a specific role um, nicely set out by the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence drawing on the research in transitions um, which is get to know the person um, identify strengths, help them build an adult identity oversee what's happening, join things up um, involve people, support independence um, and also try and influence support and planning that's around which is a wonderful role, it's a really difficult one particularly at the moment Um, I think that A lot of it is firefighting, isn't it? It's trying to find something for people rather than actually what we'd want to do, which is the relational support to help people prepare for adulthood, help people transition successfully, change their role, build their new networks, achieve the outcomes they want, do lots of positive risk, enable risks for for outcomes, all those things, reassure people. Really relational social work is what I think would be ideal um, that we have to try and do as best we can in, in constraint, really.
1: Mm. And I think there's something for me in all of that, Jerry, about us sticking in with young people because the other thing is at sometimes healing and being able to manage your life better is all about timing and sometimes development, or context or things come together really well for someone and they're able to overcome something. And other times that that it doesn't come together. And that's regardless of the work we, we can or can't do. And so for me, there's something about in transition. Can we form relationships, kind of warm, meaningful relationships with people who are in that really trying to trying to live an adult life for the first time can we stick alongside them regardless of what the outcome is and and by that i think i mean that in children's services often we feel a pressure to fix people fix children and young people before they become adults and i think it is desirable always to offer people as many different ways to um, build skills and heal and have as many competencies as they can. But at the same time, if they can't achieve all of that, there's something about just sticking in, isn't there? There's something about just hanging in with people, walking alongside them, tolerating the fact that they can't get it together in the way that they want to, and not... Making them feel like a failure, and not making them feel like that is going to be their life story forever. But helping them understand that life unfolds in a in a journey, and that some of that journey will be really difficult. But trying to, I, I guess, it's about keeping offering hope and relationship, regardless of whether you can solve or fix things or not.
0: Yeah. And and I think as a social, that, yeah. so. I think as a social work profession, we could do a lot more to support those organisations which are doing that work as well. And um, there mm. are there are really good grassroots initiatives and big organisations that are out there alongside people who are really pushed out, yeah. um, and and are trusted by those people. And I think if we can. Support them and work with them um, nationally and locally. That can be really helpful. There's some wonderful um, charities, for example, um, that there's one in Cardiff that Baswa Camry is supporting, which is is people with experience of homelessness going out and being amongst people who are homeless, yeah. and just yeah. really trying to help them in whatever practical, or emotional way they can, um, and having that trust to do that.
1: And I think that's great because that is going out where people are, isn't it, and being with them and not taking an agenda. I think that's that's one of the things, isn't it, is that if you can sit beside somebody and it can't always be social workers that can do that and not have an agenda other than to be a human connecting with a human, then that's that's a pretty good thing. And and we were talking earlier about how hard people work. And people who are facing obstacles all the time are working hard just to walk along the path. Let alone achieve anything else. And so therefore, you know, company is a is it can be a good thing, I think. So you have given me um an
0: idea now of two reflective questions that I think are really important. So the first is how do we stick with people? as they transition from childhood to adulthood. Mm. And the other is, how do we get alongside them on their path Mm. and clear obstacles?